Hi, I'm Paul Haverschrud, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives. In big ways, like why inflation could get worse if we all make more money. Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are going to have to eat that real wage loss. And small ways, like what's the fastest way to order fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru. Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen or wherever you get podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Ideas. I'm Nala Ayed. Do you believe in astrology? Absolutely not. But then I'm a Gemini and Geminis don't believe in astrology. Or do they? Geminis are supposed to be two-faced and Scorpios jealous. While Capricorns have insanely high standards. Taurus and Cancers are sort of soulmates of the Zodiac. Okay, so this just in. There's no evidence that your Zodiac sign actually correlates to your personality. But younger generations are increasingly turning away from established religions and embracing New Age practices like astrology. 37% of Americans under 30 and 49% of Canadians under 35 now believe in astrology. I think religion is about structures and New Age spirituality is about the self. So it exists in bookstore shelves. It exists on the internet. It focuses predominantly on topics of self-awareness, self-actualization, and self-improvement. And this, of course, opens up a marketplace for products trying to meet customers. It's popular because people can make money off of it, for sure. You know, corporations. And it's not just corporations that profit. So do our egos. Humans kind of really love talking about themselves. (laughs) As a species, we're very self-absorbed. So the question here is, what does astrology actually mean? Philosopher Theodore Adorno wrote an essay in 1957 called The Stars Down to Earth to try to answer that very question. The type of people we are concerned with take astrology for granted much like psychiatry, symphony concerts, or political parties. One thing Adorno pointed out in the essay about astrology was that it would be used as a tool sold to the masses as a more tolerable way of processing the present. They accept it because it exists, without much reflection, provided only that their own psychological demands somehow correspond to the offer. He feared that it was more just a distraction by retreating to understandings of the world that were reduced to the self and the individual's agency within it. It was distracting people from broader structural issues. Overly shrewd concentration on self-interest results in a crippling of the capacity to look beyond the limits of self-interest. And this finally works against itself. So what he's saying is that astrology sort of gives people a system for thinking they have control individually over broader systems like capitalism that actually control them. Okay, we're recording. Ideas contributor Maggie Reed explores the relationship between astrology, capitalism, and the internet in a documentary we're calling Mercury's in Retrograde. 
I do remember at the very beginning of the pandemic, the Toronto Star putting a disclaimer online, basically saying, hey, all of our horoscopes probably won't be right this week because we published them before we knew that the entire world was shutting down. (laughs) Go, go, go kiss a stranger. Carpe diem. I'm Maggie Reed, and this is my sister, Sheila. Hi. I sat down with Sheila to talk about the complicated terrain of astrology. Over the last five years, it's entered the pop culture zeitgeist, especially online, in a way that's made it unavoidable. Big purchases and even impulse splurges can sometimes be justified, Pisces. What interested you most about astrology when we first started talking about this? I think just feeling more and more like it was being suggested to me online, whether that's coming up on explore pages or friends are expressing things in astrological terms, people sort of expressing their personalities through their astrological signs, possibly some of their more reprehensible uh, characteristics. Apologizing means accepting that it's your fault, which is something that Pisces can't handle very well. It seems like that is very much in the internet age an extension of the BuzzFeed listicle era, where it's kind of like 10 signs that you were born in the 90s, or, you know, take this quiz, you're totally a Hufflepuff or a, you know, well, everything just like hyper identitarian, like you can't simply like something, you have to make it your whole deal. Astrology is the contention that the cycles of the planets have meaningful correlations with various ups and downs here on Earth be it politics, the financial markets, or even the ups and downs in your individual life. But here's one thing we know, that wherever there's greater stress in a human being's life, we're going to find more religiosity, whether that's churched or unchurched religiosity. The kind of resurgence that we're seeing today is definitely a product of global instability, especially given the kind of intensifying economic inequity between generations and myriad environmental issues that leave us feeling really devoid of power and hopeless. Climate crisis, economic insecurity, existential dread. Throw a pandemic into the mix and you have a recipe for celestial curiosity. But collective anxiety is only one reason for astrology's increasing popularity. The second reason is this evolution of internet cultures. Internet culture is enabled through the smartphone and the development of social media. There are meme accounts, hundreds of apps, hundreds of thousands of Instagram and TikTok accounts with millions of users in what's become a multi-billion dollar business. West, the confluence of astrology and popular culture started in the 1930s when newspapers began publishing a brand new feature, the horoscope column. The very first horoscope in a mainstream tabloid paper was in the 1930s in the Great Depression. Alice Bucknell is an artist and writer based in London, England. Her work explores the intersections of mysticism, capitalism, and technology. It was sort of a gesture towards British nationalism and uplifting the collective spirit of the British people through providing a horoscope of the monarchy. The first of these came after the birth of Princess Margaret in 1930. Events of tremendous importance to the royal family and the nation will come about near her seventh year. Over time, a more popular horoscope column emerged, one that's still with us today. And it's 
always tied to symptoms of global disorder, whether that's geopolitics or the environment. And the geopolitics in the 1930s were grim. The Great Depression, the recent First World War, and an impending second one. So it's no wonder that these horoscopes resonated with people. Here's one from the Vancouver Sun in 1930 for Aquarius. If January 30th is your birthday, there is nothing cynical, nothing morbid, or nothing depressing about your nature. You always expect the best and not the worst to happen. No one ever questioned your courage, for you are a brave and able fighter. Life will never down you or sadden you for long. And for me, the interest in these subjects is exactly how these two very seemingly disparate subjects of spirituality and capitalism are actually highly intertwined. German philosopher Theodore Adorno wrote about this intertwining in his essay, The Stars Down to Earth, where he argued, The tendency towards occultism is a symptom of the regression in consciousness. He was extremely anti-astrology. He was really interested in looking at the ways that astrology has this capacity to very easily slip into pop culture and mass media. And he was concerned that ideas around the individual's agency or free will or even the kind of creative spirit could be siphoned into this incredibly regimented way of looking at the world where the month that you're born into automatically can dictate so much about who you are, what you stand for, why you exist in the world. If a woman and August 12th is your birthday, you are apt to be the type that must be permitted to do your own thinking. This is from the Baltimore Sun in 1940 for the sign Leo. Frankness is perhaps one of your virtues. However, if you indulge it too freely, it might be categorized as an outstanding fault. Marriage is likely to be instrumental in your attaining the degree of contentment you always hope to achieve. Robin James teaches philosophy at the University of North Carolina. One thing Adorno pointed out in the essay about astrology is that nationally syndicated horoscope column was a way of sort of selling people dominant narratives about what it is to be, you know, a good citizen or a good subject or a good worker and make it seem like it's just your inner nature or your true self. The main problem that he had with astrology was that it would be used as a tool sold to the masses as a more tolerable way of processing the present. But he feared that it was more just a distraction, like by retreating to understandings of the world that were reduced to the self and the individual's agency within it. It was basically distracting people from broader structural issues, all the things that astrology was attempting to distract us from. So what he's saying is that astrology gives people a system for thinking they have control individually over broader systems like capitalism that actually control them. I think the core thing that interests me about both astrology and New Age spirituality is looking at these as proliferating within times of crisis and led by a soft capitalist approach to the self-care economy. The concept of self-care was first used by Black feminist Audre Lorde in the 1980s while she fought the political status quo. We were never meant to survive. So when the sun rises, we are afraid it might not remain. 
She said, quote, Caring for myself is not an act of self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. When the sun sets, we are afraid it might not rise in the morning. Today, self-care has been co-opted by New Age spirituality and corporations, assuring us that consumer capitalism, buying stuff, is the cure to whatever ails us. New Age spirituality rarely has a physical spot that it's located. So it exists in bookstore shelves. It exists on the Internet. And this, of course, opens up a marketplace for products trying to meet customers. And horoscopes are the perfect vehicle to sell products, especially online and especially to women. If you're a Gemini, you should buy a hair mask. You're an air sign after all. And because Geminis are ever-changing, you should also purchase a shimmering face powder that will give you an iridescent glow. Astrology and other forms of self-care are very easily commodified because they're so tied up with our identity. We're the Astro Twins. While every year brings a new set of challenges and opportunities, we help you plan, prepare, and thrive by getting you in sync with your stars. Maybe that's why venture capitalists have invested millions in it. From apps like CoStar to Sanctuary and celebrities like the Astro Twins, I think that astrology has basically been mobilized in the experience economy. It's being used to sell a certain lifestyle or experience. All of this basically is an attempt at data mining that's like... (laughs) covertly disguised as a sort of social activity that allows you to gaze deeper into your friend's star charts and get to know them better than they know themselves. The astrology app CoStar refers to itself as the hyper-personalized social astrology experience. They use AI to generate horoscopes for people. They like to brag that their AI was co-developed inside of NASA and it has all these ties to sort of like the cosmos and origins of the universe and physics. I downloaded CoStar. It's free. The app is sleek and minimalistic. And they boast that most horoscopes ask what month you were born. CoStar asks what minute. It generates your birth chart and you can compare it with the charts of your friends, lovers, and foes. I'm a Scorpio, or rather, my sun sign is in Scorpio, with Aquarius moon and Taurus rising. My daily update reveals that I'm worthy of being understood. I have power in social life, sex, and love. It also gives me a list of do's and don'ts. I should go to patios and get fake eyelashes. And I shouldn't self-critique, hide, or overthink. So I guess I should just stop here? Astrology was the original data science. Alex Boxer is a physicist and wrote a book called A Scheme of Heaven about the history of astrology. For Alex, it makes perfect sense that big data and artificial intelligence have been fused with online astrology. Putting the planets aside, are we really doing something all that different? Are our abilities to predict the future really any better? Or is there a larger story here about our seduction with numbers and the impulse to see patterns and the very powerful and persuasive ways that we can tell stories with data. So there's this move towards forecasting in the economy, in the security state, and in tech, right? In these big sectors that sort of organize our life. Robin James. Both in tech and in finance, there is an increasing turn to speculative forms of calculation. Is the tech bubble bursting again? 
the layoffs in big tech, left many wondering if this is just the tip of the iceberg. We're being encouraged to sort of make these forecasts about our future. And astrology is another deeply rooted cultural tool that we have for, for making forecasts in the absence of actual factual information. You might not want to believe it, but trading alongside the lunar cycle has been my most profitable trading strategy so far. When we think about algorithms and big data, they're often conflated with objectivity. When you look at the part of data science I like to call data rhetoric, I mean the ability to persuade with data, or at least the ability to create multiple narratives from the same data. I see astrologers as always having been the masters of this craft. And if you think of any debate of any importance today, should we spend more on this program or that one? Should we end lockdowns or, or not end lockdowns? They're all debated with data. And data is the trump card of modern rhetoric. But unlike with traditional rhetoric, where a good lawyer should be able to argue a case for both the defense and the prosecution, we tend to think of data and the conclusions you draw from it as being totally objective. Of course, they also say the greatest trick the devil ever played was in convincing you he doesn't exist. Data rhetoric is exactly what Theodore Adorno critiqued in his essay, The Stars Down to Earth, following the rise of horoscopes in newspapers. It is certainly not one of the extreme occultist trades, but puts up a facade of pseudo-rationality, which makes it easier to embrace than, for example, spiritualism. So for Adorno, pseudo-rationality seems sort of objective and logical. And the forecasts pretend to be derived from astronomic facts. But it's actually just sort of cultural norms and assumptions, given the veneer of scientific objectivity. Astrology is caught on in such large sections of the population that the findings, inasmuch as they are partly confined to the ego level and to social determinants, may be generalized with greater confidence. So, you know, the whole thing with astrology is that it's supposedly based on astronomical data, right? The same way that AI predictive analytics are supposedly grounded in data and math, right? Supposedly two plus two equals four. But in both cases, there's this sort of veneer of objectivity that's then used to ground what are actually speculations based on no facts at all, just on sort of cultural norms and traditions. And this is the prediction algorithm, right? So it's trying to find similarities between what I have done in the past and what other users have done in the past to make predictions about what I will do in the future. It, it's literally speculation, right? So big data and astrologers both observe patterns of behavior, then make forecasts based on that limited information and hope something sticks. For Adorno, astrology doesn't forecast anything. What it does is further entrench already dominant social norms, or what he calls the delusions necessary to live in a capitalist society. That framework helps explain why companies like Amazon have begun sharing shopping horoscopes with their users, while apps like Spotify use subscriber data and past listening habits to send out audio birth charts to all of their subscribers, listing their sun, moon, and rising sign artists. I'm just going to share my screen. Because I wanted to show you. Um, can you see my screen? Yes. Okay, so I don't know if you got this, but a little while ago they shared this. You know, it was basically kind of a roundup of what you had listened to. You know, there are over 30, 345 million people streaming music and podcasts on Spotify, but nobody listens like you. <laughs> and then I get this, which is 
personalized to me. Playing Silver Springs by Fleetwood Mac is pretty much the most you thing ever. And then you get your sun sign, moon sign, and rising sign artists. And like, this is what Spotify is kind of delivering. Here's your sun sign artist. Look at how unique you are because you listen to Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) (laughs) You know, really assuring us that we're truly unique for our listening habits. And I'm wondering what you think kind of the implications of corporations co-opting astrology in this way might be. This is insane, but also not surprising. (laughs) This is Alice Bucknell again. It's like open season for any other big tech company that also relies on making its income by selling and transferring your data to other companies. It's just yet another means of like gaining access to that information and coddling you all the while. It is super interesting to see brands and companies sort of reframe their recommendation algorithms in terms of astrology. Robin James. Because Spotify is actually giving you things to listen to. Like you're sort of making choices at one level, but the whole point of of Spotify's surveillance is so that they can sort of tailor your listening experience based on your past sort of clicks and likes and interactions on the platform. They're making what is actually their narration seem like it's your choice, right? From like a commercial standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. I think that it's super easy way into making somebody feel like they're this like special snowflake. (laughs) To me, it's not surprising at all that apps like Spotify are using this as a strategy to like boost their play numbers to like data stock you better. It really does sort of sell people on something that we should actually find quite concerning. I should not like it when Spotify quote unquote knows me better than I know myself, right? Because that's what astrology is kind of trying to do. Like the stars know you better than you might sort of know yourself. But the other interesting thing was how how that tried to frame this fact about you as like the core inner you that is unlike anyone else. Because that also is very much tied to sort of contemporary sort of gig economy realities of like having to have a very unique personal brand. You even saw this with like the figure of the manic pixie dream girl, right? The sort of absolutely quirky and distinctive and unlike anyone else. You've, you've good taste in music. Like Smith. Yeah. To die by your side is such a heavenly way to die. I love them. So tell me, what is your zodiac sign? I'm a Taurus. You're a Taurus. Okay, like what is that supposed to tell us about you? The zodiac personality types and and traits ultimately derive from the constellations that they're named after. So Taurus is a bull, and like a bull, I'm supposed to be slow and stubborn, and which which I, I suppose I'd admit to. But you know, if you look at some of the the the, the really early texts. Like, for instance, the Roman author Marcus Manilius, who gives us our oldest list of zodiac personality types. And according to him, uh, in addition to being slow and stubborn, I'm also well-suited to be a farmer or someone who works with the land, which um, I don't think describes me very well. (laughs) You heard it it here first, folks. I don't know what time I was born at. Um, I do, because I asked mom. I asked mom. (laughs) I'm afraid to ask. You were born at 8.32. PM. You know that? On August 2nd, yes. And I've already crunched the numbers in my app. Could you crunch them again? <laughs> yeah, just beep, boop, boop, boop. Okay, are you ready? Lay it on me. So you are a Leo sun with an Aquarius rising. Hell yeah. And you tell me 
if this rings true. First of all, you're considered dominant and original. If you're a Leo with Aquarius rising, you may be the most dominant of the Leos. Your unpredictable actions perplex those who think they know you well. That's why you sometimes distance yourself from those around you because you feel misunderstood. You find it difficult to compromise and you prefer solitude to herd. You are demanding with others and with yourself. That's why you reach goals that are impossible for ordinary people. Your personality is unique, original, extravagant, and independent. The lion is not as fierce as it is painted. Yeah, I mean, everyone are just these sheep and I'm this lone wolf just shooting from the hip. I don't know. I mean, this reading, like some of the stuff I feel like was an attack and then some of it (laughs) in, in that it sounded maybe a little bit true. I want like the nice cool parts to be true. And then I kind of can't see value or truth in the parts movie that I don't like. I feel like it, it forces your brain to think of specific instances where maybe that occurred, even if that is not your sort of regular everyday operating mode, it's seductive. Like, I loved that. I loved hearing about myself. I just want to talk now about myself and how all those cool things are true, um, even if maybe they're not. And I think some people really want want that in some ways. And we do that naturally. We'll say things like, I'm a messy person or I'm an introvert. And we do make these kind of characterizations about ourselves. I guess the, the difference with getting an astrological reading like this, that somebody else is kind of telling you based on when you were born, what your traits are, as opposed to that just coming from, oh, I call myself a messy person because I'm always messy. And instead it's kind of like, here's who you are. Hopefully this tells you a lot about yourself and almost are you supposed to live up to that in some way or here's an identity we gave you (laughs) would you like it is it helpful (laughs) yeah here's your like zodiac suit please fill it out as quickly as possible you know that's not that's certainly not the way outfits work and I feel like it's not totally the way personalities work the tricky part is the more specific you get, the less compelling it gets. And you can sort of see the way, you know, these stories are kind of crafted uh, on the fly and how, you know, really anything could apply to anybody. This phenomenon of anything could apply to anybody actually has a name. The Barnum effect, named after the, the showman and hoaxer P.T. Barnum. And it describes exactly this phenomenon that you can give a bunch of people the same vague description of their personality Tell each of them it was scientifically derived just for them based on a test they took or, or whatever, and then ask them to rate how accurately they think it describes them as an individual. And most people will say, oh, oh yes, this describes me very, very well, even though it was word for word the exact same description given to everybody else. And supposedly it was named this way because Barnum used to like to say the shows that his shows had something for, for everyone. But of course, it also makes you think of his, uh, his other much better known quote. What was his other better known quote? You know, there's a sucker born every minute. You're listening to Ideas on CBC Radio 1 in Canada, across North America on Sirius XM, in Australia on ABC Radio National, and around the world at cbc.ca slash ideas. I'm Nala Ayed. The past is shrouded in mystery. To understand it, you have to get up close. Something happened to our collective psyche 
after the atom bomb. On NPR's Throughline, we reopen stories from the past to find clues to the present. Find Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. More and more people are turning away from organized religion to far less structured notions of spirituality. New reports of Mrs. Reagan's reliance on an astrologer raise new questions about national security. This might explain why astrology and New Age spiritual practices are having a cultural resurgence not seen since the 1970s. Ronald Reagan was a man who read his horoscope and the funnies before the rest of the paper. So the age of Aquarius, or so the story goes, will begin when the spring equinox, which right now occurs in the constellation Pisces, will migrate into the constellation of Aquarius. Alex Boxer. Astrology has always sort of had this sense that a new age is about to begin and there's major changes underway. And you see this repeatedly again and again throughout astrology's history. And I think it speaks to a larger sense where people feel they are living on the cusp of great change. The age of Aquarius symbolized rebirth and renewal, a new way of living that rejected Cold War militarism, puritanical values, and shop-worn religion. Most historians have focused on what is it going on in in history and culture and society and economics that makes people more religious. But that usually means affiliation with an institution. And we tend not to be studying what takes people to non-institutional religiosity. Professor Robert Fuller teaches religious studies and philosophy at Bradley University in Illinois. He's also the author of Spiritual But Not Religious, Understanding Unchurched America. All of us wake up in the morning and wonder, how is there a universe? Why is there a universe? What should I do with my life before I draw my final breath? And we also have to feel connected with something grander than ourselves. And this is a pervasive interest and need of the human being. But what do you think are the major, I guess, differences between a traditional religion and something like astrology? Throughout most of human history, religion has been a obedience to authority. Come to me as little children, meaning naive and gullible, and you must put faith, and faith really means at the end of the day, submission. Even the word Islam comes from the word mu Islam means a person who submits. I think religion is, there's rules, there's guidelines, there's a mode of operation. Whereas astrology kind of says, hey, this is the way that the planets are aligned and it gives you a set of circumstances, but it doesn't say this is a good or bad thing to do. There's going to be consequences for doing this particular course of action versus that particular course of action. It doesn't seem to have a ton to say about morality. They're sort of indifferent to whether good or bad things happen because that's just sort of life. There will always kind of be these highs and lows, and it's kind of up to you how you navigate that in the spiritual but not religious movement. They don't talk about God or the afterlife nearly as much as they talk about an abundant this life. And that the key and even the test of a religious practice or a religious belief isn't 
procuring afterlife. It's what does it do to enhance this life? That's an appealing message to individuals. Generally, I think religion is about structures and new age spirituality is about the self. It focuses predominantly on topics of self-awareness, self-actualization and self-improvement. This focus on psychic self-improvement in New Age spiritual practices also led to an interesting marriage with modern psychology. Sigmund Freud, of course, was the leading champion of scientific psychology to take us to an era where we leave religious conceptions of human health and well-being behind. And Carl Jung, who was Freud's disciple and student, broke away from Freud, particularly over this issue when he said that the depths of the unconscious mind, what he called the individual unconscious mind, opens up to and becomes receptive to what he called the collective unconscious, which was his word for the larger mind of the universe. We are born into a pattern. We are a pattern. We are a structure that is pre-established through the genes. It is a, a biological order of our mental functioning. Carl Jung incorporated astrology into his school of psychology in what's been called psychological astrology. Jung thought humans genetically inherited archetypes, universal patterns of behavior that structured our experience, just like zodiac signs. A myth is played in the unconscious. A myth that extends over centuries. Namely, archetypal ideas, a stream of archetypal ideas that goes on through one individual, through the centuries. The ascendancy of Jungian psychology helped legitimate astrology in the 1970s. It also informed how astrology was practiced. We call it self-actualization. And if you read the literature, it's about all of the conflict-free, stress-free modes of living that are creative to the self are about various forms of soothing, finding personal fulfillment, finding personal calmness and serenity. A great deal of New Age spirituality is in response to the psychological turmoil of those who are pretty fortunate in life. They have the luxury to ask big questions of existential meaning, and they're free from day-to-day security issues that they can explore and read and, and ruminate and brood. The relationship between astrology and psychology grew over time and has heavily influenced the way it's practiced today in the West. Hi, I'm Charm Torres. So I am a professional astrologer. I love psychological astrology. I think humans definitely kind of really love talking about themselves. (laughs) As a species, we're very self-absorbed. The new age movement around the 70s, when the West was like co-opting a lot of Eastern traditions like yoga, astrology kind of like came into that sort of package. And so from that era or generation of astrologers, there's a lot of humanistic psychological astrology, which is what's popular today. The rise of psychological astrology has meant that the way it's practiced has become more individualized, very much like therapy. The kind of astrology I practice, which is basically natal astrology. You know, I'm sitting down with someone talking about their birth chart, talking about what's, you know, potentially what to expect for the next six months or the next year. A birth chart is essentially a snapshot of the sky at the moment you were born, indicating the placement of the sun, moon, and planets. So it's not just your sun sign that figures into it. The birth chart reflects the celestial bodies right down to the minute and second of your birth. 
which kind of goes against the popular sinology of like everyone's kind of like just knows so much about signs, but not a lot about planets. And actually, that's one of the things I love to do is like really kind of refocus or reorient around the planets. So I am a Sagittarius sun with a Cancer moon and a Gemini rising. That's Brie Proke. Well, as a true Sagittarian, I, uh, I have a lot of different jobs. I'm currently working on a Netflix show in the set deck department, but I'm also my own filmmaker and a playwright. Sometimes I podcast, sometimes I run spaces. I don't really have a general job title and I like it that way. But if you had to pinpoint it like on tax forms, it would be artist. Like many, Brie first got into astrology during the pandemic. I would say that the pandemic was actually very helpful because I spent so much time alone and was really focusing on this kind of stuff and really figuring out who I was because I am such an active person. I used to work 70 to 80 hour work weeks and never take time off. And so when I was forced to do that, I was forced to look inward and get to know myself in a way that I hadn't as an adult before. To me, it's just kind of like reading a diary that I didn't ever write. And so I don't necessarily use it as a way to lead my life, but I use it as a tool in explaining my life. And I think that that's very helpful in terms of self-care and in terms of mental health. Many people turn to astrology to cope with present-day problems and issues. It provides them with critical distance to view their own lives with. So astrology uses the configuration of the planets to explain anything from geopolitical tensions to personal mortality. Astrology's utility in helping us adapt to conditions we can't change may explain why its resurgence isn't just for the consumer class. We both were brought up Catholic. We were brought up religious. I think it's safe to say we both defected from that religion. But I think initially we were very interested in this idea of, is astrology the new religion? And a lot of the people that flock towards astrology are women, they're queer people who have been very marginalized by traditional religions. You know, is this where people go when they're not welcome in traditional religions? It doesn't even feel like the right question anymore. It just feels like things are so tough and unstable and people will just kind of approach anything with like zeal and vigilance that they think will help them feel even a little bit better. As history has shown us time and time again, marginalized groups are by and large the most vulnerable to the inequities of capitalism. They feel the pressure of the system by far the hardest out of any of us. I certainly have noticed it as a queer female identifying person. Brie Proke. Why I got into it, you know, to help myself was because I always felt like an outsider. And so we are living in a very male dominated world still. And so maybe people are seeking solace outside of everyday society to try and find their place and their purpose. The outcomes of astrology, they're kind of all just these situations that are placed in your path and they're for you to negotiate. And so in a way, it almost can make you feel a little bit I guess, better about things that are outside of your control. Like, okay, these things are just happening. But at the same time, it's almost naturalizing things that I'm not sure are completely just natural or unchanging. That's kind of the limitation I feel of astrology is it can get you to the point of conflict, but in terms of solutions, you're kind of looking outside of it. Whether that's other new age modalities There are no astrological solutions to astrological problems. 
So astrology positioning itself as a kind of like neoliberal soft capitalist approach to self-actualization and wellness. It's sort of ironic because it's basically attempting to smooth over the problem that it creates. <laughs> In his 1973 book, The Culture of Narcissism, American historian Christopher Lash called this focus on the self the therapeutic sensibility. The contemporary climate is therapeutic, not religious. People today hunger not for personal salvation, let alone for the restoration of an earlier golden age, but for the feeling, the momentary illusion, of personal well-being, health, and psychic security. Maggie, I see this uh, cutting two ways, and both need a critical look. Uh, the first is the highly individualistic viewpoint. The second part of it is how much it puts on people's thoughts. One of the both attractions, certainly, of spiritual but not religious movement is that it tells people they have the power to change life through their thoughts about it. To them, all illness is just poor thinking. And while we all know that thought can reframe situations and, and lead to constructive improvements, it's also um, a tragic slap, really, onto those people who, who have faced sheer health problems or economic reversals through no fault of their own. I guess that kind of speaks to the question of, you know, how does New Age spirituality account for genuine inequities? And it sounds like in some ways, maybe it doesn't. You know, is somebody poor because they they didn't meditate or they didn't? charge their crystals. And this is a problem. It's also a problem, by the way, of any discipline that starts with just the individual psychology. Some of the early critiques of psychology where it's social amnesia, um, and it can even cultivate a lack of, of care about and attention to these larger realities that continue to influence our well-being. But I don't want to get so critical. Neither psychology in the sense of counseling or psychotherapy or all individual spiritualities need to take on everything, and we shouldn't fault them for not taking on everything. I think at times we have to appreciate the good that they do. And I do believe that counseling and psychotherapy help our wholeness making in a universe that's often divided and in conflict. And I believe that our spiritualities can be wholeness making and lead to strength and vitality. So um, I, I appreciate them for what they do, but they have to be balanced by a look at the larger economic, sociological and political context that influence human well-being. Okay, so the first thing that determines beauty in your birth chart and in astrology is Venus. So of course, we all know Venus. Venus is the planet of beauty. It's the planet of pleasure, indulgence. And so how it manifests for physical traits is that it makes somebody very beautiful. But the question remains, do New Age spiritual modalities like astrology encourage a balanced look at those broader structural forces? Or do they encourage us to retreat further into narcissism? I think that like it kind of speaks to itself that this whole genre of astrology memes has blown up in the last few years. Alice Bucknell. And there's Instagram handles like Not All Geminis or Astro Meme Queen that have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers. 
it's an astrology of the internet that is kind of like phenomenally unhinged. A lot of the time it's people who don't even know one sign from the next, just kind of making these egregious claims on how a Gemini might act or how a Leo might behave or what it's like to date a Pisces. A post from the Astro Meme Queen account says that Aquarius has an urge to run from commitment and Aries like to go off on random people for being rude. And these kind of catch on and they're shared and liked and in a way they've kind of eclipsed a lot of earlier understandings of astrology or how we relate to astrology. And I think in the long run that can be really damaging and I think it definitely harkens back to what Adorno was worrying about so many decades ago, which is how astrology influenced behavior and end up becoming this really like exclusionary judgmental space where communities are being broken apart, not made, where people are just like completely judging each other's characteristics based on their horoscopes. I remember there was a time on Twitter where something that, you know, one of those viral tweets where someone was denied housing because they were like a Capricorn or something. There was one ad that was basically banning anyone with Sagittarius as their sun sign from even applying for the room. They were basically saying this apartment is a sanctuary for soft and mutable earth signs and we don't want a Sagittarius coming in here with all of their negative energy and trying to like control the place and kill our vibe. In a way, like I can really appreciate skeptics and people who really are actually like against it because of the way it's being talked about. We should not be discriminating and denying people housing because of their sign. Like that's that's just really awful and also just kind of incorrect. That's just like one part of someone's like chart. You also write, I'm, I'm a, a Pisces, Pisces is a valid rebuttal against criticisms of emotional unavailability or gaslighting one's partner. While Mercury using retrograde is the perfect excuse for being a shitty person or performing shitty actions for weeks at a time. This is this is one of the things that I've been grappling with as I kind of explore this very commodified modern astrology is what is astrology actually bringing to people's lives if it's being used in this type of way? You know, if you were going to actual therapy, it might be focused on how you might become a better person. But the fadedness of astrology comes in where it's like, you're a Pisces, so you suck, mm. like, you know, <laughs> or, what, or whatever sign it is. Are people using astrology to evade responsibility for their actions or maybe worse, a moral compass entirely? I think whereas therapy is this kind of like malleable process, astrology is this like rigid rule book with a nice like collection of star emojis on it like it's basically a system for quickly evaluating other people their potential use or antagonisms that you might have with them in your life and then also a justification for you to basically just do whatever the fuck you want and blame it on the stars So is the belief in astrology ultimately liberating or confining? I guess that's a, you know, that's the perpetual question. Astrologer Charm Torres. That's something that astrologers in like conferences would end up staying out until like 4 a.m. at the bar talking about debating. <laughs> 
hard to just say like everything is faded like 100% but that at the same time the birch heart can hold a lot of what's possible in the life. Spiritual but not religious movements are no less prone to confusion and inconsistency than our church religion. Let's remember that in the Western religious heritage, there is a major conflict. On the one hand, God is all powerful. God has predetermined all that will happen because only God can truly cause things to happen. And yet we're all held responsible for our free will. Robert Fuller, professor of philosophy and religious studies at Bradley University. And the positive part is that individuals are able to realize I'm not responsible for everything that has happened bad to me in my life. Um, I'm not to blame for every last thing. There are larger destinies that have come to create these situations and moments. And we can see this uh, for anyone who believes in, say, karma or who looks to astrology, that there are larger networks of causation and we aren't responsible for all of it. And of course, it also leads to the opportunity of never taking responsibility for one's actions. As an avid follower of astrology, Brie Proke doesn't think that our fate is completely fixed. Every person is always capable of change, regardless of their sign. But astrology should never be an excuse for being a dick. In like an ideal world that's like offline and off apps and like no data mining, astrology is ultimately like all about social structures. I mean, like the way that it operates essentially like relies on this incredibly introspective view of the world. There's all these different like layers to who you are, how you operate, even a sort of durational sense of how you're changing over your lifetime um, or how you're changing around other people. I definitely will go to astrology first when I'm going through a breakup, be that with a romantic or friendship relationship or at the beginning of something to be like, what happened or what is going to happen? How am I going to jive with this person? I think it's tricky because like it does have this inherent capacity to be quite social and empathetic, but the way that it's being used in like a pop cultural context is completely going the other direction. Critiques of New Age spirituality come, to your point, from both religious and secular people, right? Arguing that it's faddish, it's superficial, it's utterly narcissistic. Do you think New Age spirituality is fueling our narcissism? I believe that New Age spirituality is more of a symptom of, of narcissism, if you will, than it is a cause of it. And much of church religion is as narcissistic as anything can be. It starts with group narcissism, right? Who are the elect? Who are God's true people? Jesus has a plan for my life. Jesus loves me. Jesus saved me. Me. So there's a type of narcissism in all of this. I also want to say that I don't understand narcissism the same way some people do. If one reads like I do in the early origins of Western thought about narcissism, and I don't mean going back to Greek myths so much as in the early years of psychoanalysis and Freud, every human being has some need to feel prized, to feel whole, and to look out at the universe and feel that universe looks back at you and likes you and affirms you. And if narcissism is looking into the mirror of reality and and seeing something reflected back that says, I'm okay, I'm lovable. Remember, we even say 
and historic Christianity, love thy neighbor as thyself, presupposing that all love must begin with self-love. I didn't say selfish love, but some kind of thing that affirms that my very existence is good and wants to share out and to reach out and to bring wholeness and well-being in an ever-expanding current beyond me. I think that New Age spirituality brings to many people a sense that they can let go of a sense of guilt. They can finally feel some repentance. And I can't think of anything more spiritually or psychologically that is an important beginning point for a vibrant life individually or collectively. But there's a downside here. Popular astrology with its focus on the self could move us further away from a sense that we're all in this collectively. I don't think all astrology is bad, but I think there's been this like mediatized appropriation of wide range of practices as in the newspaper column, because that's that was a sort of appropriated mediatized version of astrology of its day. Right. And what we're seeing in apps and social media is the update of that commodified astrology. I think it's probably fair to say that we both came into looking at astrology, particularly this pop internet astrology age, with a degree of healthy skepticism. Has your perspective changed on astrology? I think it's made me a little more sympathetic to astrology. And there's something appealing to me about people who either want to work on themselves or who want to understand other people better, who maybe look at astrology as a way of navigating or avoiding conflict with other people. Because I think that there's maybe too much in our world of wanting other people to kind of change and mold and map onto the way we are. I think one thing that changed for me was just thinking about the way in which people use something like astrology for psychic security, because I do really understand why people need that, some sort of psychic break from the conditions of the world. I think the thing that's really troubling about it is that a lot of people don't really have access to that because they can't escape their lived reality. And so what a lot of new age spirituality or things like astrology end up being used for is for already privileged people to not only be able to escape thinking about the world and all of its problems, but also to make themselves feel a little bit better about their position within the world. And because it's like extremely nebulous in terms of what people use it for, like, is it self-care? Is it therapy? Is it meditative? Is it spirituality? Like it just sort of absorbs everything in its path and makes it, you know, a commodity of some kind. We want to be able to practice or to adhere to something without being worried that we're being sold something. Stuart Hall has this famous essay from the 70s where he says, pop culture is neither capitalist nor anti-capitalist, but it's the site where struggles around capitalism and class are are fought, right? And I think astrology is an instance of that. Yes, it's bad. It's surveillance, basically, to sell you things and to shape you into the kind of person that corporations want you to be. Nevertheless, people still use astrology apps or social media astrology to do meaningful things and maybe find a community online, which are good things, right? Apparently my sign is like known to be problematic. 
Yeah, Scorpios are often excluded from things because... And Capricorns maybe are also seen to be quite problematic or or is it Geminis? I think Geminis maybe, but anyway. Well, because Gemini is the twin. It's the, it's the two-face. So it's it's a little sweet and sour. You don't know which one you're going to get. Scorpio though is predictably problematic. Yes, exactly. I was born this way. I was born on October 30th. I can't change that. What are you going to do? You were listening to Mercury's in Retrograde on Ideas. A big thank you to all of our guests, Brie Proke, Charm Torres, Alex Boxer, Alice Bucknell, Robert Fuller, and Robin James. This episode was produced by Maggie Reed with help from Sheila Reed, edited by Charles Tilden, technical production Danielle Duval and Austin Pomeroy. Our web producer is Lisa Ayuso. Our senior producer is Nikola Lukšić. The executive producer of Ideas is Greg Kelly, and I'm Nala Ayed. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.